Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. Uh, Last week, we began our journey with the narrative lectionary. And some people have asked me, well, what does that word mean? What is a lectionary? And and quite simply, a a lectionary is a cycle of suggested, not required, suggested readings for each Sunday of the year. When I began in ministry, I used something called the Revised Common Lectionary. And it's called that because the Common Lectionary is used in many mainline churches, Episcopal, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist, etc. Even Roman Catholic churches will use the Revised Common Lectionary. And all of us will make subtle alterations, but Primarily, uh, it puts all the churches sort of on the same page throughout the year. Now, the Revised Common Lectionary is a three-year cycle of, uh, that suggests four readings for each Sunday of the year. An Old Testament reading, a psalm, a gospel lesson, and then a reading from one of the letters or the Acts of the Apostles. So, uh, for example, these are the new te- are, are the scripture readings that are suggested for this particular Sunday of the Christian year. And after three years, you just start all over again. Well, the narrative lectionary is a newer four-year cycle of uh, suggested readings that were created in 2010 by a couple of professors at a Lutheran seminary in Minnesota. And uh, the, the lectionary, this lectionary is different in that it suggests one primary reading for each Sunday beginning in September and going all the way through Pentecost. I'm not gonna talk about the summer at this point. But it also suggests some possible secondary readings. And so this slide shows the suggested primary readings for this particular Sunday over the next, uh, this Sunday and then the three following years, along with uh, the secondary readings that are suggested from the Gospels. But to break it down just a bit more, from September to mid-December, the, new, uh, the narrative lectionary suggests readings that, primary readings that come from the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures or what some people call the First Testament. And then from mid-December through Easter, the narrative lectionary focuses on uh, one particular gospel. And this year, it will be the gospel of Matthew and next year, Mark and so on. And then after four years, the whole cycle starts all over again. So um, so, uh, you can see uh, this on the bookmark that we've given to you, and uh, and I hope that you will take a chance to uh, read the Scripture passages as we go through the year. Um, I chose to use this lectionary based on the breadth and variety 
of scripture readings that are included as part of this uh, order or this cycle beginning in September through Pentecost. And there are a few advantages to using a lectionary, this one or anyone. First of all, whatever we're focused on in Scripture can also be focused on in Sunday school. And this way, uh, children and youth and parents and grandchildren are all focused on the same Scripture reading every Sunday. And hopefully, that would create the opportunity to have discussions uh, in the household uh, about what we are focused on. And, uh, and we know that one of the primary ways that children grow up to actually be faithful in, in their walk of faith is when there are discussions in the home about issues of faith or spirituality. Um, also, you know, we're handing this out. We just started last Sunday. This uh, is another resource that can be used in the home, but it can also be used by individuals. It's called God's Story, Our Story, and it is a weekly devotional. And I really suggest that you take time to use this. If you're an individual, you might want to partner up with somebody and do it over the phone or something like that. Another reason uh, for uh, the narrative lectionary is that the primary uh, scripture can be read ahead of time. You can read for next Sunday, tomorrow, and then you can be pondering that passage all week long. And I would hope that if something comes to your mind, a question or, or something, you might shoot me an email, and then I might be able to incorporate that question into the sermon or into our Wednesday Bible study, the world's most honest Bible study. Um, lastly, uh, the reason I wanted to do this is I like how this lectionary, I think, makes it more possible that we'll be able to uh, follow the larger themes and threads that run throughout the pages of Scripture. Our reading today is about one of the major themes in Scripture. The idea that the same God who shaped the cosmos is a God who calls us to be of service to the world. And before I share our reading about God calling Abram, I want to share a couple things about this word, the word call. The word vocation comes from the Latin word vocari, which means to call. And it conveys that there is some unique purpose for which you and I exist. A, a, a calling as uh, individual as our thumbprint. In contrast now, today we usually talk about uh, a career or a career path, right? And uh, the word career also derives from a Latin word, uh, a word that means cart. So now think of a, uh, of a farmer, a peasant in, in long ago who uh, pushes a cart, something like a wheelbarrow, into town uh, for the farmer's market. And then later, the, the word career became associated with a middle French word, uh, racetrack. 
So in other words, a career is pushing a load round and round as fast as you can and never really getting anywhere. Yeah, I'll just point out, you know, I don't think uh, Kenneth plays the piano uh, for a career. I think it's his calling. Same as Charlie, same as David. I don't think Justine leads the choir because it's a career. I think it's her calling. And so this is a good difference to keep in mind as we uh, hear the story about God calling one of Noah's descendants. This comes to us from Genesis chapter 12, and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4. The whole reading for this week was 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. As Liz Flagg, uh, our youth director, our past youth director used to say when talking to the youth, let's dig into this passage a little bit and learn some things about Abram's call. There are at least, at least four elements to this divine call, and they all come in just uh, the first couple of verses, verses 2 and 3. And they come uh, in a couple of cases in what the Bible, what Bible scholars call parallelism, which is, the meaning is rather obvious. Uh, it's when a writer repeats a sentence structure, but with slight variations and for a pur purpose. And so, uh, parallelism happens when the writer of the story wants to restate something they've just said, or they want to intensify it, or they want to clarify it, or they want to elaborate on it. And uh, this happens in verses two through three. The first time it says, I will make you a great nation, and I will make your name great. Why is it repeated in this way? Well, in the ancient world of Abram, there was really no concept of an afterlife. There was no idea of heaven and hell, existence beyond the earthly life. Now, I know that that is going to be something you'll need to chew on for a while. I remember when I first learned this in seminary, I was like, I don't get that. I don't understand. Uh, and so it's something to chew on. But in ancient Mesopotamia, where, Her Her uh, where Abram was from, there was two ways that life might continue after death. And one of those ways was through fame or renown. So that after you, you died, your name was not forgotten. You were famous. The other way was through a family or descendant. 
And to have descendants was an assurance uh, that what you started would continue after you died. Now, I don't know if this is such a big deal uh, these days, but it certainly was when I was younger. I remember uh, the discussions in in family homes about uh, wanting to have a son so that the family name could continue beyond the death of, of the father. And that is what is meant by the phrase, I will make you a great nation. So with just these two verses, this element of Abram's call means that he will have both family and fame that will go on well beyond his earthly life. So great a family, in fact, that it'll be a nation unto itself. Beyond that promise of fame and family, there's another parallelism, and you heard it, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Here, that blessing of fame and family is clarified. This promise is not limited just to Abraham. It, the blessing that Abram's receiving will bless others beyond himself and his immediate family. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. And then, but there's this other element then in verse three. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. At this point, I simply want to say that this clarifies that even though God is saying, I'm going to bless you, Abram, this does not mean that God's life or Abram's life is going to be without conflict and challenge. And sometimes that's what we think of being blessed, kind of a a worry-free, you know, don't worry, be happy kind of life. But that's not what the Bible means. Just as Jesus' ministry blessed so many others, this brought him into conflict, right? Especially with the highly religious folk. Because they thought that Jesus was simply uh, too extravagant and too indiscriminate in blessing people who did not deserve it. Isn't that interesting? We religious people who, who focus on God's grace, we get into that same pattern of thinking, well, we're doing the right things, so we should be blessed, and they're not. So Jesus was cursed, mostly by the highly religious people. The final element of the call is this. All peoples or families of the earth will be blessed through you. So as one theologian says, God is saying to Abram, leave your family. Leave your status as a member of your tribe and kin and go somewhere that I will show you. I'm not even going to tell you where it is right now. Just go. Leave everything you know. (laughs) And as you do this, God says, 
I'm going to give you a whole new identity so that there will be a new kind of people that emerge in the world who don't just look out for themselves, but who will be a blessing to all people. And this pinpoints an essential element that we find in in the call stories of Scripture. When God calls people, it is so that they will be a blessing to others. Not just to themselves, but to others. So when Jewish people, or Christians in particular, based on this story, assume that their adherents are the only ones that should be blessed to the exclusion of anyone else, that is a distortion of our God-given calling. To put it another way, when we see ourselves as blessed to the exclusion of others, rather than for the benefit of others, we are not living in a way that is faithful to God's call. So here's a good litmus test for whether we are uh, living in a faithful way to God's call story in Scripture. Ask yourself, does my faith only seek to bless myself and those who are already like me? Or does my faith bless others even those who don't share my faith. Only if your answer is yes to the second question, are you truly living the call story that is repeated again and again and again throughout Scripture. Okay, but what about this God's vow to curse those who curse Abram. Well, first, I want us to notice that God does not tell Abram to curse anyone. Even those who curse him, right? No, in essence, God says, I, not you, I will handle those who curse you as you carry out my call to be a blessing. It's very clear. God says, I will handle that. But let's drill down on on these two words, blessing and curse, a little bit more. Uh, In the context of uh, of Genesis 12, the, the, the four verses that we read, it's fair to say that the blessing that God is promising to Abram is a blessing that God will help and support and guide and uphold Abram as Abram responds to God's call. That's the only thing that's promised. There's nothing else promised in this story. Abram already has a lot of material wealth. We, we read that later. So he's not being promised anything but this. Well, in contrast to that then, what is a curse? 
Well, a, a curse is a promise not to help, not to support, not to guide, not to uphold those who are actively opposed to what Abraham is being called to do. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, if, if God's plan is to bless all people of the earth through Abram, then God cannot support those who are opposed to that. But it's really nothing more than that. Sometimes we read things into the text of Scripture that are not there. We think maybe, maybe we were thinking about the Moses story and the ten plagues or things like that. We, we have to deal with that later, but in this text, uh, the curse uh, is not something more than this. And so we have to, I think, examine ourselves and ask why we so often conceive of God as a malicious tyrant. When, when a passage like this doesn't, doesn't say anything of the kind. And especially when we read the Scripture in light of what we know about Christ Jesus, right? I could say uh, a lot more about this for sure, but I hope at the very least we, are begin, we begin to see what a biblical call story really means. And what it really means that this is that this great ancestor of our faith is called so that all families of the earth, even those who are not Jewish and will never be Jewish, will be blessed. Not just a select few. You know, we might even say this that Abram is called to share good news of great joy for all people. And indeed, it's a call to get to work. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, as we are uh, engaging in this narrative lectionary, what we're hoping is to, to really focus on what these stories of Scripture reveal to us and to sort of begin again without uh, uh, preconceived notions, even preconceived notions that might have been given to us by well-meaning pastors and things like that who may also have, have missed uh, some of the richness of this, this beautiful book, uh, The Story of Your Great Love. Uh, that we find in the pages of Scripture. As we deepen our resolve to listen carefully to your stories, we ask God that they would begin to reshape our lives so that we can be of service to you in a way that is consistent with the call that we hear to follow Jesus and make his love known. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.